Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The New Statesman. This week, Labour has suspended not one, but two parliamentary candidates for reports of comments made about Israel. The party has been on a mission to purge anti-Semitism from its ranks over the past few years. So just how catastrophic has this week been for them? Hello, I'm Anusha Kellyan, Britain editor at The New Statesman and host of this podcast. And joining me in the studio, I have Andrew Marr, our political editor, and Freddie Hayward, our political correspondent. So it's been a long, arduous week for Keir Starmer and the Labour Party, so I'll just run our listeners through the main things that have happened in case they haven't been following the twists and turns. So the party eventually withdrew support for Azar Ali, its candidate in the Rochdale by-election, which is coming up, for making comments that reflected anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Graham Jones, who was a former Labour MP for Hindburn, trying to run again in that seat, was suspended as the candidate for comments he made about Israel at the same party meeting. And a third politician, a Hindburn councillor called Munsif Dad, is also being spoken to now. Um, Freddie, can you just give a recap of probably what was the most important part of this story, which is um, what led to the eventual withdrawal of yeah. Azhar Ali? So on Sunday, the Mail on Sunday published uh, these comments from Azhar Ali, which essentially blamed Israel for the October 7th. Uh, attacks. Mm -hmm. He issued a fulsome apology. Labour accepted that apology. Uh, and then they had sort of 24 hours, 48 hours of acrimony where they had to go into the media, uh, defend Azir Ali as a, as a candidate, if not defend his comments. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a few reasons for that. They were essentially saying that uh, it's too late in the day for us to change the candidates. That was one reason. Another reason is that some in the party didn't want uh, to let George Galloway, who's this uh, far left, very controversial um, former Labour MP who's standing in Rochdale. Uh, but, the, but it was completely unsustainable. So you had uh, shadow cabinet ministers going on the news run and essentially saying, well, you know, Azar Ali, he just bought into an online conspiracy theory, but we still think he should be an MP. And that, that, it, that those things just don't match up. So then we had further comments that were published later that day on the Monday and that's when uh, they essentially said that we're going to suspend our campaign. Uh, we're not going to support him. He will still be the Labour candidate on the ballot paper and he could still be elected. Um, but Labour have withdrawn their support from him. So if he wins this by-election, it means that he will be an independent MP rather than representing Labour in Parliament, even though on the ballot paper that Rochdale constituents will get, will say Labour next to his name. Yeah, because presumably Labour will immediately suspend the whip. We should emphasise, I think, to everybody how truly unusual and indeed bizarre this yep. situation is. Azhar Ali's candidacy kind of floats on like a ghost ship 
You know, he hasn't got Labour support, no Labour canvassers, we assume, no Labour posters, no Labour money, and if he happens to win, no Labour whip. So he sort of bobs on. Um, and there is some possibility, of course, that he could still win, partly because of the sheer number of postal votes. And all those postal voters may not have been hanging over podcasts like this and the national press, and they'll be bombarded with Labour post office stamped uh, material saying, Azar Ali's a good Labour man, vote Labour, kick out the Tories. So we just don't know what's going to happen. Yes. And you've written a piece about this in the in this week's magazine. And I wonder if you could just tell our listeners, you know, what is it about these comments that are so damning, but also why are they so difficult for the Labour Party? Right. So let me just step back one yeah. uh, pace and say, I think quite soon there is going to have to be some statement or explanation from Keir Starmer about what he regards as anti-Semitic and what he doesn't regard as mm. anti-Semitic. Because I'm picking up an awful lot of anger inside the Labour family about what is now acceptable or unacceptable to say about Palestine and Gaza. So what Azza Ali said is an old-fashioned conspiracy theory trope. The Jews do terrible things to themselves in order to win a wider war. You know, they collude in their own um, persecution. They invite in Hamas, in this case, to rape, to murder, to torture and to kidnap their own people because rubbing their fingers, they've got a bigger plan. And that is a really old, poisonous and utterly unacceptable uh, trope about Jews. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's anti-Semitic. But I think it's very important to say, um, to describe the behaviour of the Israelis in Gaza as abominable, to say that the, the way that they are... Uh, killing so many women and children and so many non-combatants is utterly unacceptable. To point to comments by senior Israeli politicians, including inside the cabinet, talking about eradicating the Palestinians from Gaza and saying that sounds to us like genocide. None of that is anti-Semitic. And I think quite soon Keir Starmer and the people around him have to reassure people inside the Labour Party it is perfectly acceptable to be furious about what's going on in Gaza and to express that fury without being anti-Semitic, without crossing those lines. I'll give you one other example. The second uh, comments that uh, finally finished off Mr Ali uh, included something about how Andy MacDonald, another Labour MP, had been suspended because of certain sort of Jewish elements in the media. Mm. In other words, there are too many Jews in the news. There's too many Jewish people inside the mainstream media and they are tilting the playing field. Now, there are lots of Jewish journalists in Britain there are a lot of Muslim journalists in Britain. There are a lot of Hindu journalists in Britain. Some people would say there are quite a few Scots in journalism in Britain. <laughs> too many. And too many. <laughs> now, we all know this, but you see, you just crossed a the line there, too many. You see, that is deeply Scotophobic there, Anoush. I think to be aware of it, to acknowledge it internally is one thing. To express it is almost always a hostile and, in this case, an anti-Semitic thing. It's saying the Jews are pulling the strings again. Yeah. You see, they always do. That's why it's anti-Semitic. That's why it's unacceptable. But to get these... Slightly fuzzy, slightly difficult borderlines between what is and what is not anti-Semitic is, I think, now really important. Yes, and they must clarify this because this has been an issue, I think, for Labour for a long time, not least because a report commissioned by Starmer himself by the barrister Martin Ford found that anti-Semitism had been weaponised along factional lines sort of during the Corbyn years. And actually, you write well in your piece, Andrew, about how Azhar Ali is not sort of a Corbynite figure of the left. He is a... You know, see, see, he's seen on the I, moderate wing of the party. I think it's really important to dig into uh, the factionalism just a yeah. little bit here. 
um, because um, if you did due diligence on Azar Ali, if you're sitting in Keir Starmer's HQ and you say, okay, so who is this guy? And you can do some Googling and you do some Wikipedia searching. What you find is that he has somebody who's worked very hard on inter-community relations. He is somebody who stood alongside the former Labour MP, Louise Ellman, and she was suffering really horrible anti-Semitic abuse. He's known her for more than 20 years. He stood by her and defended her in a very difficult situation during that time. He's a member of the council of the Sufi Muslim Council, Mm -hmm. which is very much an anti-radical, anti-extremist organisation. And above all, he has worked for no less than Tony Blair as an advisor against extremism. This is somebody for whom no red flags would be waving at all. And going back to the factions, the left of the party are alleging that he is—he was treated a little bit too leniently. He wasn't suspended immediately because um, the right of the party saw him effectively as one of theirs. Had he been a Corbynite, had he been a momentum supporter, he'd have been out straight away. And that's, you know, that's some of the toxicity around this issue yes. inside the Labour Party. As has happened with MPs like Andy MacDonald and Kate Osmore. Yeah, and you speak to people on the left and they are extremely angry about it. And mm. I think in terms of the factualism in general, there is this sort of collective desire to win the election. So it's not really coming to the fore. But once or if Labour do win, I think you are going to see the left say, well, you treated us in a way that you haven't treated your own people. Therefore, we're going to cause more trouble for you. So he is storing up problems, I think, for himself down the line. After the break, we'll discuss what this row reflects about Keir Starmer's office. Join like-minded readers that support our journalism. Enjoy unlimited access to our writing and subscriber-only benefits from just £2 for two months. Visit newstatesman.com forward slash subscribe two for two. 
I think we should talk a little bit about the kind of broader narrative at this point, mm. because you used the word, you asked the question at the beginning, how catastrophic is this yeah, yeah. for Keir Starmer and the Labour leadership? And I was talking to his biographer, whose book's coming out later this month, uh, Tom Baldwin, mm. and more or less said, is this the worst week for um, for Keir Starmer so far, to which Baldwin hooted with mirth and said, no, no, the aftermath of the Hartlepool by-election, which the government oh, yes. won against Labour, was a much, much worse week for Keir Starmer. And he described it as a bad bump in the road. But you can have an informative bump, a bump that tells you things and causes you to change direction. You don't have to carry on going. And I think it's one of those kind of bumps. If the by-elections are not both won by Labour, yeah. uh, we've seen one opinion poll... Um, by Savanta putting the Labour uh, leader of the Tories suddenly falling by seven points. Most people in polling seem to think this is an outlier, not to be to be taken with a fistful of salt. But if we see more polls like that, and we discover that the twenty-eight billion pound U-turn you've spoken about before, mm. and these events are starting to change the narrative, and the Labour lead is narrowing, then we could be into a very very harder summer for, for Keir Starmer than we had expected before. Yeah, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think we should necessarily overstate how important by-elections and internal factionalism um, is to voters when, of course, we've, you know, the news today that there's uh, a recession now, people's focus is elsewhere, and we do know mm -hmm. that this is going to be a general election about the economy. I don't think all voters are going to be looking at Rochdale and Labour Party selections and going, OK, we can't trust Keir Starmer. But you're right, you know, is it is it a sign that something's going wrong? I think some of the, the most positive spin I've had on this point is uh, one Labour aide essentially said, well, you know, it's good to get these things out now. So when, when we do get into <laughs> office or when we do get to the campaign, uh, we'll be fit fit and, and ready to run, which is uh, which is great spin. Uh, but I, I think it, it does expose some of the problems with decision making in Keir Starmer's office. There does seem to be this tendency towards indecision. Yeah. Uh, and, and a hesitance to take them. We saw that with the 28 billion, as you said, and that became a, a debacle and an embarrassment in a way that it didn't have to be. So, you know, there, there, there was a leak in The Guardian and then they rushed out uh, an announcement the next day that it seemed as if they were going to do it after the budget. But because of all of the speculation, the rumours, the discontinuity between what Rachel Reeves was saying, what Keir Starmer was saying, they, had, they were put on the back foot. They're too clenched, they're too cautious... I completely agree with what Freddie is saying there. And I think, you know, people talk about media handling. It's not really media handling. It is political handling. Yesterday, we had a really important report out from the British Retail Consortium about the vast increase, huge increase in shoplifting this year. And much more worrying, in a sense, the huge increase in attacks on shop workers who tried to get in the way. Really, really serious. 8,000 people quite, quite injured by these attacks and a 50% spike in them. Now, that is an absolutely classic Labour, broken Britain narrative story. Nobody came out to talk about it. Why not? Because they were scared they might be asked about the by-election issue. Mm. Absolutely pathetic. If you're in a political fight, get into the fight. Use um, every opportunity you have to pass your own, to get your own message through to voters. And this is what Labour are not doing at the moment. There's another case today. We'll see what happens. But there's a real shortage of recruiting uh, trainee nurses. People say that the NHS is still number one on voters' priorities. Yeah. The lack of nurses is a really, really big part of that. And what is going wrong with nursing is a really big part of that. We should have Labour on the airwaves all day talking about nothing else, but I suspect they will still be too scared to come out, and that is not impressive. Yes, and, and it's interesting because I think this is what came up when I was in Kingswood earlier this week, this uh, shoplifting issue. Mm. Um, and 
cost of living, you know, everyone mentioned these things. And if they're not seeing Labour reflecting those those concerns back at them, then I think it it probably does um, it probably does sort of double down on this idea that they are a bit indecisive. They're not necessarily coming down on one side or, or the other of the fence, which we've heard about Keir yeah. Starmer for so long now, which is why attacks like Captain Hindsight and things do land. The one thing I would say about we talked about factionalism earlier. I don't think Keir Starmer is at all interested or even understands the Labour faction fights. You know, he comes into politics after the great yeah. Blair-Brown struggle, still being played out by many uh, younger people uh, across Poland at the moment. He doesn't get it. He's not interested. So I don't think he himself is factionalised. I do think factions of different kinds are trying to put their sticky arms around him, <laughs> but I don't think he's a factionalist himself. Well, we'll see what happens in Rochdale and we'll come back to you with our analysis of that by-election result. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me and thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question for us to discuss on a future podcast, you can do so at newstatesman.com forward slash you ask us. If you're listening on Spotify, just scroll down on the episode page and type your reply. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a question in the comments. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my colleagues, Andrew Marr and Freddie Hayward. We'll be back tomorrow with reactions and analysis of the Kingswood and Wellingborough by-elections, which are taking place today. This episode was produced by Catherine Hughes.